and welcome to episode 80 of the Step Over Podcast. I am Jim Adair, and with me as always is Max. I'm the DJ, he's the Rappaport. I flipped those, oh, those possessive parts just to make it work better. Um, gonna get back into doing that. Got some, gotta write some puns down. Uh, Max, how's it going? Uh, doing well. How about you? Yeah, it's been, it's been like a week and a half. We've been waiting for, and I, I swear and I hope that this is, until we get the questions, the only time we say this man's name in this podcast. You're waiting for Markel Fultz news to do anything. Um, and I actually tweeted at somebody, someone was like, because I was like, oh, we were going to have a podcast the one night after the game, and I mentioned that, and someone was like, just wait for Fultz news, and I said, if we do the podcast the night after the game, the news will come right after or tomorrow. If we wait, the news will never come. And hey, it hasn't come. So, I feel like we're we, just going to go ahead with it. We're way too familiar with the Sixers to have to have waited on a, a definitive Fultz update to do the next True. podcast. I feel like yeah. we should know better. I mean, it's like at least approximately three weeks yeah. to be reevaluated I mean, whether and, we're and, going and to do to be, a podcast. Yeah, and to be truthful and honest, like it was 40% waiting for Fultz and, and 60% just like just after the holidays, a lot of stuff going on for both of us. So, you know, just... It would have if if full shit did happen, we would have potted, but it would have been a quick win either way. But um, there is some good stuff to talk about, and we wanted to use this time. We haven't we've kind of been slacking on questions a little bit, so we're going to take a lot of questions later on. But the bulk of the pod will be talking about the over unders, which we did uh, in our season preview, uh, and where we stand so far in them, and kind of talk about that a little bit. So Max, if you're if you're ready to hop right on in it, yeah, I'm ready. Ready? I'm ready to All be right. really wrong about a lot of things. It's like 50-50, man. I'll say that. Um, if you want to um, write down what we're on pace for, actually, you know what? I'll do that. Keep score of who's on pace to, to win, essentially. A um, bunch of these we had the same answer for, but I'll just I'll keep tabs. An M column and a J column. All right, so the first one uh, was over under wins, which was 53 and a half. Uh, the current pace is 55.8. We both said under. Wow. So that's a no-go for both of us. Um, how do you feel about that, Max? Do you, well, let's say it this way. Uh, do you still feel good? I mean, this, again, this was all pre-trade. We did have some Robert Covington and Dario Sharge things in here, which I have just removed because they don't matter anymore um, in terms of this. Um, do you feel still feel right about your original prediction of under 53.5, knowing now with Jimmy Butler on the team and the current win pace being at f- essentially 56. Um I, I think they probably I think they probably go over. I'm not totally confident that they that they definitely finish over even with Jimmy Butler. Like I think it could mm-hmm. be right below that. Um I think it'll be over 50. I think before we we had kind of talked about a possibility that they still that they went into this year and won like 48 49 games and you know, just struggled in the beginning or uh, had injuries that got him there. Like, I think now you, you've you kind of, because you have Jimmy Butler, um, if you lost Joel Embiid for a month or you lost Ben Simmons, you could still weather that uh, in a way yeah. that you couldn't have before. So I think the, the, ce- or the floor is higher um, and obviously the ceiling's higher too. But I would say I'm more confident. I, I think if they hadn't made the trade, I still would be, and they had the same record, I would feel pretty confident about my under. Um, and yeah. I also think if they hadn't made the trade, they wouldn't have this record. They'd be a few wins below that. At least That's a couple because Jimmy yeah. Butler won them two games. Yeah, and I think the point that we both kind of made is, like, they could be a better team and have fewer wins than last year. So you're looking at, you know, and I think we probably both said something along the lines of, you know, there'll be ups and downs and this and that. So maybe they'll win less than 53 and a half. But where I'm at right now is that 
it's not the ups and downs thing. Um, it's injuries. Injuries right now, I think, are the only thing that can take them under the 53.5 threshold. Um, so if we were redoing this right now, I would take the over, but we're not letting ourselves change the answers. This isn't cleaning the glass, which is cool. Uh, but uh, we're not letting ourselves change the answers. So, so far, looks like we will both, I'd say, what, 65 to 70% likely that we're both wrong on that one. I'll take it. Yeah. The very next one. Oh, I forgot what you had him in here. Markel Fultz, everybody. <laughs> forgot we had some over-unders for him. Uh, Three's over-under on the on season. Point. Yeah, well, no. It was, ooh, boy, that one. Uh, we'll get to that. Uh, his points per game, which the over-under was set at 10.5. He had 7.1 last year. Max and I both took the over 10.5. And, and as of today, which is December 4th at roughly 1 p.m., uh, it is at 8.2 points. So we are both well wrong on that. Uh, the good thing about that for our our over-under purposes is that it's points per game played in, not points per game on the season. So there's still a chance that if he can come off going a little bit of a tear for like, you know, six or seven games in a row and get it up there. But that's the idea of that happening is so out there and so far in right now that I don't think there's really much even to say about it. I, I can't remember exactly what I said about Fultz when we did the, the pod earlier, but uh, there is, I kind of remember having the conversation and, and basically saying, like, it can't be as, as bad as the end of last year was, or the beginning of last year, right? Like, it's it can't be as bad as, like, him just not being willing to take shots, or uh, being so one-dimensional, or so obviously, like, not an NBA player, and I was wrong. I was It's, like, yeah. exactly last year. And um, yeah. I, I thought, I thought like worst case, he was he would be what Lonzo Ball was last year, where he was a normal NBA player except just missing a lot of shots and just like inconsistent and making a lot of mistakes. Um, but it's it's just it's way worse than that, and I don't think there's any way he gets above that. Yeah, even if he only uh, comes so back we- for two for for five games at the end of the year and is able to like boost that, I don't think there's any world in which he averages like. 20 points a game in those five games to get him over the the mark yeah and i think at this point i mean i don't know much about vegas and sports betting but i think it's probably realistic to assume that once all this is going on they probably took that bet down like let's reevaluate this or you know um next is ben simmons points per game by the way we are so far both of us are 0 for 2 uh ben simmons points per game uh the over under line was set at 15 Uh, last year it was 15.8 and currently He's at 15.5, which puts him over, which we both took. We both got one right so far as it stands on December the 4th. I'm surprised. I, when, you were, when you were lining that up, I was expecting that I had gone under on that because I, I didn't I, When I was looking it up, I thought he was a little bit lower than that. I thought he was like maybe 15.1 because I, I pulled up the, the, the Word document I have with our stuff in it. And then before I even looked up the stats, I'm like, oh, that's probably a pretty close one. But he's a full half a point above it. Yeah, yeah. What to say about that? Uh, he's he no. He's been really. Uh, I thought more aggressive recently. I've been I've been happy with that, and I yeah. I feel like he could average in the high teens um, easily this year, even with Jimmy Butler here. But for whatever reason, he if, doesn't if, really try to do that. It feels like um, with Butler here, there was. I mean, it's still early. It's very early, and Butler is seemingly comfortable. Um, you know, outside of the fourth quarter and the dagger shots, kind of like letting, playing within the flow of the offense, not really playing any superstar ball, which is great. Um, 
But it seems like the aggression and the confidence and stuff has been raised, honestly, since Butler came. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's just a, a, because it's a shakeup, because it's a change of scenery. Maybe Butler has something to do with that. Maybe he doesn't. Um, maybe he's Ben Simmons is playing so well because he's so happy with his girlfriend, Kendall Jenner, and we should thank her at every turn. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I thought like that, that like, you know, killer instinct, um, ability and willingness to take over games thing that people were dragging on for so long. It's starting to come out again. Yeah. I, I, I think Jimmy Butler is probably a, a factor in that. I, I'm sure there's, yeah. there's part of it for him where it's like, you know, as much as it seems like everybody gets along, uh, I'm sure there's part of it where it's like, he's seeing himself possibly as the third guy on this team with Jimmy Butler here uh, and, and, you know, maybe wants to push against that a little bit or uh, like kind of assert himself as like him and Embiid. Cause I, you know, people have talked bef- before about like him and Embiid having like whatever weird chemistry. I think it's better now. I think in the beginning there was, there was some truth to that. Um, but I definitely, I would imagine for, for Simmons uh, being like the prospect that he was coming in and the type of player that he is like a feeling of not, of like wanting to assert himself on this team with Jimmy Butler here. Yeah. For, for sure. And I don't know, you know, yeah, it, 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 you can't read into someone's motives and motivations and stuff, but their body language and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it does seem like there's something, you know, maybe a switch was flipped or, I don't know, who knows what it is. But uh, so yeah, we're at uh, uh, one each on that one now. Uh, here is where we diverge for the first time on this list, mm-hmm. and one of the few times, to be honest. Um, JJ Redick points per game. The line was set at 15.5. Uh, last year was 17.1. Your argument was you don't think he'll get as many shot opportunities, even if he shoots a higher percentage. So you took the under. I was wrong on both I, those things. <laughs> yes, I took the over, uh, <clears throat> and it is eighteen point four. So that is one wrong for Max, one right for old Jimbo here. Yeah, that was so super wrong. That was crazy wrong. I think I said like he'll average, he'll he'll go back to close to where he was averaging from three with the Clippers, which is like in the mid, almost like mid forties. Uh, he's shooting 36% from three this year. And I thought yeah. his, his attempts would be down and they're at an all-time high. So Right. Now, some of that, I mean, again, it's you know it's no longer a small sample size how far we are into the season. But there are some things that happened. Like there was a couple of games where they didn't have Dario or Covington or Butler. And JJ seemed to take a lot of shots and score a lot of points in those games. Um, he's just been playing really well. And honestly, that was another one where 18.4 to me. If you had asked me before I looked it up how many points was J.J. Redick averaging a game, I probably would have said, like, oh, my God, you know, 16, 16 and a half. Mm-hmm. 18 and 8.4 is, is, is big. That's huge. It's more than um, Jimmy Butler's averaging as a sixer. Right, which I think will change. And, you yeah. know, it's just fueling the team out and stuff. But, yeah. So that's another reason why, like, just because that's right now doesn't mean I think that average will come down as the team starts to flow and gel more and kind of change. And, you know, when, when more trades happen and deadline buyouts and stuff like that happen. Um, but yeah, I was actually surprised. So I got one. I got one on you here. Um, next was one we were both. I'll just say flat out, and because you were both right about this one. But uh, it was Joel Embiid's points per games, which was set twenty three and a half last year. Was twenty two point nine. I had said that it would like we were both said like it could be much higher than that. But I think I leaned to like oh like twenty four or whatever, and you were like it could be as high as like twenty eight something. Currently at twenty seven. So. Both right on that one, and I honestly don't see us being wrong about that. I don't see that average coming down far enough to be below twenty three and a half on the, I, the rest of the whole season. Yeah, I don't. I don't feel like doing some quick algebra on this, but I feel like the, the what we're twenty five games into the year, he's played all twenty five. Uh, 
he's averaging 27. Like, he would have to, to what is it, 23 and a half is the over-under? Yeah. He'd have to be in, like, what, the high teen? He'd have to be, like, 17 a game, 18 a game, something like that the rest of the year to, to have it yeah. drop below. I, I don't think there's any way that happens. He either like won't he either won't play the games or he'll average over that. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where and I think the like the only chance to really even get a, a, a good number of games where he's like in the fourteen to sixteen range is to have games where you just are handily blowing people out the entire time he doesn't play the fourth quarter. Like yeah. and that's not gonna happen enough to actually bring that average far down enough. So yeah. And honestly, um, even with that, he he scores so many of his points in the first quarter. In the first half, yeah, specifically yeah. that, like I, I don't mm-hmm. think I think he'll still get over that even if even if every game from here on yeah. out he didn't play the last eight minutes, I think he'd still get. There. Yeah, I think I said before that both JJ Redick and Joel Embiid are like they're kind of like those you you and two K games where like you're like oh shit I got like twenty eight at half and then you land with twenty nine mm-hmm. you're like ah oh, shit <clears throat> no second half they sub me out too much uh but yeah so I don't see that coming down next was Joel Embiid's blocks per game which was two point one uh he had eight one point eight last year two and a half his rookie season. Uh, we both took the under on this, Max, uh, at 2.1. Do you know what Joel Amy's current blocks per game number is? It is 2.0. Did you look it up? Uh, I have it in front of me. No, you but I, did, I knew it was close yeah, to 2. 2. I, I thought it was under 2. Yeah, so we got the under on that one, but I honestly, that's the one, I mean, first of all, because it's in 0.1 range, but that's the one where I'm like, that's the most likely out of this where I'm currently right for me to end up being wrong. Yeah, it's funny because I think we both – I know my, my kind of take on it was that I thought his blocks per game would kind of decrease over time as he just like – which he, he's done. He's like protecting his body a little bit more and not going for everything and not diving out of bounds for loose balls. Like I, I just kind of assumed that the blocks per game would never get back above two, right? Like his rookie yeah. year, what was it, like 2.3 or whatever it 2. was? 2.5. 2.5. And then what, it was under two last year, 1.8. 1.8. Yeah. Yeah. I just kind of figured that would be the trajectory of it. And you've kind of seen and that, like, actually. Like, if you look at, like, Shaq's stats or, like, Matumbo, like, all these guys, they, like, average a shit ton of blocks their first few seasons, mm-hmm. and then it kind of tapers off as they, like, learn to play defense that's not just blocking shots. Right, and then you look at most people that, like, aren't named Rudy Gobert on, like, the blocks leaderboard list, and, like, it's pretty much all they do. Like, there's Hassan Whiteside's up there with, like, 2.9 or something like that, but, like, he doesn't do anything else. Yeah, JaVale you know, is he- up there. Yeah, JaVale, like their job is to essentially stay home and then catch some laps. So, yeah, it's uh, that's the one I can see easily um, going up. Or it, I, it could honestly also flip down to like one and a half to 1.8 mm-hmm. as well. That can go either way. Um, next is kind of a, a simple one that's a little bit of a cop-out probably. But uh, it's Joel Embiid's over-under of games played, which was at 67 and a half. Last year played 63. You took the over. I took the under, which is fucking stupid. Uh <laughs> But he's currently on pace to play 82 games, Max. <laughs> so you got that one. I yeah. didn't. Well, we are tied. Uh, I will say that's, I don't that's see pretty insane. That, was it him, that I took the under? <laughs> the, so the only players to to appear in every game this year so far are him, uh, J.J. Redick, and Landry Shamit. Yeah, and then also aren't the Sixers, haven't they played the most games in the NBA so far? Yeah. Yeah. And so. he's leading the team in minutes. At yeah, I mean, he'll get some rest games um, just from, year. like, yeah, yeah it'll, be, it'll be, like, back soreness or whatever, and they'll just, you know, the rest of them and stuff like that. But, yeah, he's not going to play 82 games. I don't want him to play 82 games, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can't believe I put the under on 67 and a half. That was fucking stupid of me. Um, 
Next is Joel Embiid's rebounds per game. Uh, set at 10.5. Last year it was 11. We both went over, and it is currently over at 13.4, which, again, I think we'd said that it's like it could be up near 11, 11.5, but at 13.4 this early, we were, I, I'm very surprised. Yeah. Um, happily surprised, but surprised. It's uh, a pretty crazy well. trajectory. Like, it I mean, really I know he's playing, more, he's playing more minutes th- than he did last year and than the year before, but it, what, did it go from, like, 8 to what, like, ten and a half or something last year? Like, was it even above yeah, 10 it's, last year? Uh, rebounds? Yeah. It was 11. 11 last year to 13 yeah. and a half. I think this yeah. this also falls into that category of, like, with 25 games played, there's almost no chance you get the under on this. Like, he would have to, for him to get the under, um, he would have to, like, get hurt at halftime of every game from here on out. Like, he's basically yeah. getting to 10 rebounds a few minutes into the third quarter every game. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things where it kind of baffles you. Kevin O'Connor, I think, just had a thing for the ringer talking about Joel Embiid's MVP chances and the numbers he's putting up this far into the season and his true shooting percentage and all that stuff is like Shaq's MVP year range. Mm-hmm. And that's absolutely insane. And, like, you know, you go from not only the, the Embiid story itself of him, you know, I, th- I think I mentioned this in the podcast before, I think Jason Concepcion or, or Pablo Torrey, one of those guys, I can't remember who it was, said, um, imagine walking out of the movie Avatar it's after seeing it in theaters and saying, hey, what's basketball? That's what Joel Embiid essentially did because he didn't play basketball before then. But not only that, like just think about in the league-wide context, right? We're three, four seasons removed from people basically saying like, oh, the big man is dead, right? There's no such thing as a dominant big man. The, the center <clears throat> is a dead position, um, which to some extent is still true because now you got these centers shooting threes and that's not, you know, when they were talking about that kind of stuff, they were talking about the true, you know, back to the basket down low, doesn't take any jump shot center. But looking at it now, and there are like multiple dominant big men throughout the entire NBA. And it just changed like that. And it's because I think of people like Joel Embiid, not only being part of that talent pool, but teams looking at people like Joel Embiid and then going, oh, we want one of those. Mm-hmm. We gotta find. We gotta. We gotta play that way. We gotta find a guy who can do that, and really just kind of going into it. So, well, I think. And, it's... And he... Oh, go ahead. No, I'm saying he leads that pack for sure. But I think you know, you could probably find many quotes from four or five years ago saying like, "Oh yeah, the center's a dead position. Like the player, that position doesn't matter anymore. You just like throw like throw a guy who can block some shots there, and you're fine." And it's just changed. But yeah, and I think I think it's funny too because you know this is like the obvious. Uh, trajectory whenever the game shifts in some direction like towards uh, transition or towards three-pointers like big men are just going to learn how to do that and the bigs who are coming into the league can do that like that's you know the fact that you have DeAndre Aiden uh, coming into the league and he's able to like knock down jump shots and run in transition and like that's you would expect that and like Carl Anthony Towns and um, Jokic being able to bang down three is like uh, of course that's what happens yeah Brooke Lowe, yeah, and even the old guys are learning how to do it. Like, yeah, um, I think it was like silly for us to uh, kind of imagine that uh, the game, the bigs just wouldn't shift. I think bigs have shifted way more towards skill recently. Although you have yeah. these guys like Embiid, um, even like Gobert, uh, like Clint Capella, who are just you know defense first, but are largely defensive setters, but also you know can have some skill and you know can bang in the low block because I feel like for a while we didn't really have that like Al Jefferson was like a top five center for a long time yeah um and now I mean, we have like you know 10 or 15 guys better than Al Jefferson ever was I feel like in the league right I now mean, or more impactful think if, 
Yeah, think about how crazy it would have been to see Shaq or Dikembe Mutombo or anybody from that era at all get the rebound and then not just immediately pass to a guard to bring mm-hmm. the ball up. And that's just so common now. Yeah. And B to take the ball, to get the ball, at least bring it up to half court and initiate the offense or Jokic doing that or even Gobert doing somebody like Capella, you know, anything like that. So it's, it's truly crazy. Uh, it's a new era we're living in, that's for sure. Um, the next was uh, Ben Simmons' rebounds per game, which was set at 8. It was 8.1 last year. Uh, we both took the over, and we are both currently correct. It is at 8.8, which is, again, a little bit higher than I thought it would be, even taking the over. Yeah, I seem to remember my, my reasoning for this was that I thought the ball would be— Well, <laughs> I think I a lot of these I had Fultz in mind. Uh, I think yeah. I, I said that I imagined Fultz would have the ball in his hands more, and Ben Simmons would play a little bit more in the, in the low block, maybe get some more offensive rebounds. Uh, would maybe be defending fours a little bit more than he did last year instead of defending point guards. Obviously, none of that uh, came to fruition, but just I guess I guess regular uh, improvement over time in the same way like Embiid's rebounds have, have improved yeah. significantly. I mean, he's playing at least guarding some fours. He's playing some four, yeah. but it's not because of Markel <clears throat> Fultz, really. Yeah. Um, here's another one. Next one that we diverged on. Um, where it was Ben Simmons' assists per game. This is another one that's really, really, really tight. Um, last year was 8.2. The over-under set, with, set at 8. Uh, you took the under. I took the over. It is at 7.9. Yes. I do think that will get to the over. But as it sits now, you have it and I do not. So you've taken the lead from me now, just so you know. I agree with you. I think I think it'll probably go over. Um, I'm actually pulling up his game log because I'm curious if since the Butler trade... If, if his uh, average has been above, uh, was it 8.2 you said? Uh, that, no, 8. 8 is the line. 8, okay. Was the Utah game the first with Jimmy Butler or Orlando? It was Utah, right? It was Utah. Yeah. No, 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 Utah was the first home game. Oh, so it was Orlando. Yeah. And they lost. Yeah, he's he's averaging 8.1 ah, since the see? Butler trade. And yeah. he's averaging 8.3 uh, since the second Butler game, because I yeah, think that so. first Butler game was a little weird. Yep. See, I'm, I'm confident in that over still. And I think that we had your reasoning for your under was probably that Markel Fultz will be taking yeah. those assists away. Yeah, a lot so of the, a lot of, of these are me- kind of messed up because of. Uh, I think I, I I factored in Fultz. I think in like every projection I had. Yeah. Well, speaking of the next over under was Markel Fultz assists per game. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, Last year, he had 3.8. Uh, it's currently at 3.1. God, how is it lower than last year? <laughs> Jesus Christ. The over-under was set at 4.5. Max, what did we both do? Bang that over? We banged that over, baby. <laughs> it is it is heartily under. We need to do a, a super cut of every time we talked about Markel Fultz on the over-under pod. And just no, that put that out as a, requ- as a as a half episode between this one and the next one. That would require me listening to this podcast, which I refuse to do. <laughs> Let's just move on from Markel. I don't want to talk about that anymore. Um, next was the one that you you had mentioned earlier. Um, was JJ Reddick's three point percentage last mm-hmm. year? It was forty two. The over under actually looking back at it now seems kind of wild. It was set so tight to that 40, 41 and a half. Now again, the percentage ones I think can change a lot more quickly than the averages, you know, because he can go a game, he can go five for five, six for six twice in a week, and all of a sudden that's up. 
Uh, currently at 36.3. You took the over. I took the under, and I'm back in it, baby. Yeah, that's that's not getting back up. I mean, even if he finishes the year super strong, uh, he's played 25 games. He's taken, seven, he's taken a ton of threes. He's at 7.6 on the year, which total, what is that? He's taken 193s. Like, I just don't know how mm. he makes up. He'd have to shoot, you know, 53% the rest of the year, basically, on the same number of attempts, which I, I don't think will happen. I would be yeah. surprised if that happens. Uh, Again, I think he'll get above 40. I, I I think he could get back up to like 40.1 or something, like just right above yeah. if he finishes strong. Because he probably just Max. needs to shoot like mid 40s or like 43% the rest of the year to get there. Yeah, Max, do me a favor. Close close your tab or minimize your tab. I don't want you to see this next one. So I don't want okay. you to, I want to guess, make you guess. All right. On these next two. Because we're going back to Mark Hilfoltz, baby. Uh, <sighs> do you remember what the, do you remember what the over under on three pointers made on the year was? Oh my God. Was it like. I think it was low. Wasn't it like 41? 44 and a half. Okay. Do you remember? Do you know how many he's made? Uh, three. Four. Four, okay. <laughs> do you know what you did and you, do you know what I did with this? Bang. That. Over. You took the under, man. Oh, I took the under? Wow. Yeah. All right, nice. I'm feeling good about that. I think we had a whole discussion about this and I said I just don't see it being possible. <laughs> that he goes under that? Or... Yeah. I mean... I Wait, you didn't see it like, being possible that Marco Holtz didn't hit 44 threes this year? Play a, if he was going to play a full season. I don't know, man. <laughs> it bums me out. All right, let's hey, move on. Hey, he can still come back. As soon as we post this podcast, there's going to be an update that he's yeah. um, having that. What was the thing that, that Joel Embiid got when he when he went to like Cutter or whatever? Oh, like, he got inject, robotic leg Injected him with like, yeah, with like horse steroids or something yeah super soldier serum that's what i got um if you heard that crack it's just not a beer it's just in the afternoon i'm drinking a diet coke which is actually worse for you we'll be right back after this message um next was markel fultz's free free throw percentage which fucking shit man uh it was 47.6 his rookie year the overrunner was set at sixty-five and a half. We wow, both. That's a high overrunner. That's a high overrunner. We both. We both. I don't know why I did that. Man. Why did I do that? Fifty-six point eight. He essentially split the difference. So that's a no on both of us. <sighs> there's one more of these. Nah, this is one more of these. Fultz. Oh, there's a couple more actually. Oh God. Oh no no. Fultz is done now. Fultz is done. Do you have the ah. um the rankum ones that we did too? I wrote down. We we we. I what we put I did, the I rankum ones. Yeah, I, I just didn't, I didn't put I didn't mark those down. I just I'm, I want to read them off, but we won't talk about them extensively. But I just think they're really funny. Now we did a few where mm. it was like you had to rank in order, like who is going to have the most minutes in the playoffs? These three players, most threes made on the season. Um, yeah, minutes in the playoffs: Zaire Smith, Landry Shamit, Furkan Korkmaz. I think now is very obviously Landry Shamit. Yeah, uh, I think we probably took Zaire Smith. Um, yeah, maybe. Threes made. This is a sad one. Reddick, Sarge, and Covington. Um, I believe if you if we go back, oh, I believe no. I inserted Landry Shamit into this. Well, he's not going to finish him, him more than Reddick, though. Oh, you put you put him no, at like I, three. I put him at like three. That was a little foresight on my part. Yeah, you know, I'm a big Shamit hive guy. Uh, threes made. This is a bad one. Threes made. Fultz, Mascala, or TJ. <laughs> Oh boy, Mascala's got to be in the lead for that. He's for like sure. way, way in the lead, way ahead. Yeah, yeah. And we'll then, have to go back and actually mark those down and see where we'll stand. 
And then sadly, this one's actually kind of accurate. This one's actually pretty close, I think. Well, actually, no, Amir's killing this one. Uh, Three-point percentage, and Bede folds Amir. I'm pretty sure Amir's shooting like 50% from three this year on like two yeah. attempts. But Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What a weird thing that's happening. Okay. Yeah. Um, this one I actually didn't. I should have done the pace for this, Max. Are you want to pull up your calculator? Uh, yes. So we're 25 games into the year. What? If someone has something right now, would I have to multiply that by to get the total? Right. It's what? Wait, what are you saying? Uh, oh, so, to, to get the pace for 82 games? Yeah. So I'm going to divide by 25, multiply by 82. Yeah. So what? what's what's the... Uh, two. Is two the total number or average? Uh, total. Okay. So two divided by 25... Okay, six point five six. Okay, so we are both way wrong on this one. This was four or so far. Again, this was Ben Simmons triple doubles. Uh, he had twelve last year with one in the playoffs. The over under line was put at twelve point five. We both said the over. He currently has two. I'm su- I'm shocked that yeah that someone who's averaging who pretty much gets double digit points basically every game. And is only two assists and one rebound away from averaging a triple double. Wouldn't get more triple doubles. I feel like he falls like one rebound shy. Yeah, he must have fallen one rebound shy like ten times this year, or like within. I think a few he actually rebounds. like one rebound or one assist shy like every time. Yeah, like I, if I I feel I'm, like his I'm like average night so far, yeah, has been like you know fourteen eight nine something like that. Um, he is. I'm, I'm just looking. So I'm counting them up. There's. This is at w- times he's fallen within two either rebounds or assists. I guess points I'll include too. I'll say rebounds and assists within. So the first game of the year he did, uh, two. The sixth game of the year he did. The seventh game of the year he did. Uh, the twelfth game of the year so that's four. Uh, the thirteenth game of the year he did that's five. Um, six, seven, seven, eight. Eight times in 25 games has he fallen within two rebounds or assists of a triple-double. Basically, you know, yeah. Once you would, every three games yeah, or so. Yeah. And then add the two triple-doubles he actually has in there. So that's essentially 10 in 25 games. So I think, you know, there's still a real chance that he could go on a string of them and get that number up to 12 and a half. But totally. it's probably hard to do. Um, yeah, so we're both off on that one. Uh, next one just be quick um, before we take questions. Uh, the over-under for the longest win streak of the season um, was nine and a half. Do you remember what you did, Max? I think I went under. You went over. I did. Huh. I went under. I went under. It's been four, and it's happened twice. So I'm taking that win. I'm taking that, that point. You ain't getting that one. That damn Cleveland game. Yeah, I know. They would, they would have they would have nine right now if they'd won that Cleveland game. It broke up two four-game win streaks. Still nine and a half that over-under, I'll tell you that much. Uh, so, yeah, there's still a chance that that can be hit. But, I, you know, as for right now, I am in the lead. Uh, next one. Um, now looking at it, uh, it is – we can't tell this one yet. It was over-under for Sixers on an all-star roster. It was set at 1.5. We both took the over. Now having Butler here – it could be as many as three. So I think I feel confident in that. that. That's 100% and over. Yeah. 
Yes, at the very I, least two. Yeah, I do think it's interesting because I I don't think that it'll be three. Like I I don't think that Butler and Simmons obviously Embiid's gonna make it, but I don't think um, yeah. uh, Butler and and Simmons do. Although maybe maybe off of well I don't know off of votes not gonna happen. Like I was mm. thinking maybe Butler, but because he's a name and whatever. But I don't I don't think he's playing well enough. And you have Kawhi Leonard in, in the East yeah. now. Like maybe I'd have, have to look at it. Yeah, but... yeah. I I think Butler probably deserves it. I think. I think he probably deserves it a little bit more than Simmons right now, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I thought Simmons. I thought Simmons would put up the type of numbers needed, and there hasn't been as much of a jump from last season. And also, the East has better has yeah. better players this year. True. Um, I will let that one go. I'm not going to mark down correct or wrong with that because you still have some time to figure that one out. Next one was over under on Joel Embiid's technical fouls for the season. He had six last season. This was one that I made. I set the over under at eight point five. Does he have any this year? He has two. Wow. Okay. So he's it's under. So we're both wrong on that one so far. Um, and uh, the final one was over under for games Jared Bayless plays. <sighs> Last year he somehow played thirty nine with eleven starts. Oh I said God. it at thirteen and a half. We both took the under. Um, and that was a, a, a relatively easy ish one. So Max. Mm-hmm. There were 18 over-unders here where I was able to give one of us points. Do you want to guess your record and my record so far? Do I have 10 and you have 9? We, we're both 9 and 9. Oh, man. Yeah. And to be fair, well, on I that, guess that's what I guess that's what happens when you guess the same thing for basically every over-under. Yeah. We should... We should um, we'll do something at the halfway point of the year, whether it be... Add more, like, oh, for the rest of the season, uh, what will these be over-unders? Or maybe at, maybe at the 41 game mark, we will give each other the opportunity to change maybe like three of our answers if you want to. Um, and then see, because we're going to have to split this pack somehow because we have too many answers that are similar. Um, and now that we lost all the Covington, I think a lot of the ones we disagreed on were the Covington and, and Reddick, or and, yeah. uh, and Charge ones, honestly. So now that we lost those... Uh, we'll have to add some one, add some for Butler and and stuff like that. Maybe wins for the second half of the season. But once it gets to that point, but as it stands right now, we're both uh, we're both middling middling to mediocre. Mm-hmm. A nine and nine. Yeah, it's our brand. We'll be right back after this message. Um, do you want to move on to questions, Max? Sure. Uh, so right. Viraj Singh asks uh, if the Sixers strike out again at the max level, free agents next year. Uh, do they bring back JJ again, or do they stick with Shamit and use that max room to get two or three players who could really help them with their five through eight depth? So basically, do you bring that, back JJ, or, or yeah. are you going to rely on Shamit and try to use that money elsewhere? I think that depends on a lot on how the rest of the season goes. Uh, JJ is obviously, like I said, he's a huge focal point of their offense right now. He's averaging almost 19 points. Uh, Shamit, at that point, will still... Shamit's played 25 games in his NBA career. Uh, he looks great. I enjoy him very much, but there's not a ton that you really can get. You can't project very confidently off of 25 NBA games. Um, as an example, uh, I think Ryan Archidiakono played like 14 games last year and was essentially trash. And he's played like 22 this year and looks actually pretty good. Um, I think he's he, starting. I think, I think he's starting for the Bulls. Yeah, I think judging the future of his career based off of either this season or last season is a mistake because the sample size is still so small. But that just shows you how things can be very different year to year um, for a young player who also does a decent amount of shooting. Um, 
So I don't know. It depends a lot on how it goes the rest of the year. If I had to make the decision now, seeing how this team is structured, I would probably go with letting JJ go. He will be a year older, which we said last year, although he's looking incredible this year again. Shamit will have, hopefully have some improvement, a full offseason with an NBA squad after playing a full year. Um, and then the depth could be you know huge because you look at a lot of these teams that are like championship-level teams, and depth is key for a lot of them. And where the Sixers stand right now, their depth is okay. But if they're going to make that leap, it's going to have to be better. Yeah, I, I, I really, I kind of disagree. I feel like you have to bring back JJ Redick if you're not getting, if you're not using your your cap space this summer on one guy, like you're either trading Fultz or clearing clearing money to bring in, you know, a Kawhi Leonard level player or something, or you're yeah. using your twenty million on someone like Kemba Walker if you think you can get him for that money, or someone who's like very clearly worth that chunk of money and you have to spend it all on him. I, I feel like if you're breaking it up. Uh, for depth, I think Jimmy or uh, sorry JJ Redick should be one of those players. Like I don't think he'll because of his age, because uh, he's made a lot of money with the Sixers. He's made like thirty five million over the last two years. Uh, he's very. It seems like him and his family are pretty committed to not leaving this region. They live in Brooklyn. Um, maybe the Nets or the or the Knicks are interested in bringing him in. Maybe the Lakers want to bring him in, and he just does that because he wants to play with LeBron and try to win a championship, whatever. But I think I think you have a chance to bring him back at closer to like seven, eight, nine million. Um, and if you can do that, I think he's worth that more than whoever else you're going to sign for that money, in, in my opinion. And I think he fits yeah, I mean, so well. I mean, and obviously there's, obviously there's a comfort level, and the fact that like him and Embiid pick and roll is like, the best play the Sixers have right now. And like, I, I just think he adds a lot to the team. And, and if you, if you lost JJ Redick, um, I honestly think this, obviously if you lost Embiid, that's the biggest, um, like, uh, that's going to affect the, the Sixers most of any player who could get injured or miss any time. I think JJ Redick's like close to number two or three, like as important yeah. as Butler and Simmons, just because they don't have that. Like Landry Sham is a good shooter, but he's not what JJ Redick is. No, there are JJ very few players who do that. Yeah. yeah. If you could, like, you know, there's a lot of things you can teach young basketball players how to do, but if you just focus on J.J. Redick off ball, just make teach your kids to do that. It's incredible. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the same thing. We said the same thing last year, right, where you paid J.J. Redick, what, $22 million last year, and the general idea or rumor or thought process was pay him a lot this year and he'll take less to come back here next year. And you're essentially banking on the same thing again and hoping – uh, playing with this squad, the comfortability of being it, being a close to home and having a chance to win something will take care of the rest of the loss in money. So, um, but yeah, I think either I, I still think depth might be more important, especially as you get you're getting you know it, we're we're playing uh, the yodeling game in prices right right now, right? That's what we're doing. So JJ, we keep thinking he's gonna fall off a little bit, and he's not. And he's just climbing and climbing and climbing and still getting better and scoring and doing all this stuff. But we're going to get to that point where you're $3 over and he falls off that cliff. And that's the thing that worries you as players age. Now, again, he's, you know, it's going to sound insane to say, but like, like LeBron James, he does not play like the age that is on his birth certificate. Because um, you know how ages are on birth certificates? That's how it works. Um, but yeah, it's it's that's going to happen at some point, And I don't want to be stuck holding... A, a cartoon bag of cartoon sacks of burlap sacks full of cash with dollar signs on them for JJ Redick when you have a depth hole in your team and he's falling off or unable to play or injured. So, 
Yeah, I get that. I, I guess I feel like, uh, and sorry if, if you guys can hear my dog barking annoyingly in the background. Uh, Enzo is not annoying. Enzo is a dream come true. He, he's a great dog. Uh, he very much does not like anyone walking in front of our house. So uh, same. That is a same. that is a trigger for him. So uh, that's probably what's happening right now. Uh, yeah, I think I think I agree. I, I'm actually I feel like I agree with part of what you said. I, I feel like depth is the most important thing going into the summer, and uh, I am less apt to want to throw a bunch of money at one player. Um, unless that player is Kawhi Leonard or Kevin Durant or Clay Thompson or something, uh, which mm-hmm. I, I don't think it will be. Kemba Walker maybe would fit into that category for me, although I'm, I, I might even think with that that you're better off just like splitting that money amongst two or three guys. I just think I would like J.J. Redick to be one of those two or three guys, and I think you can do that. Um, the, the only thing, I guess, now that I think about it, is you are in a position where you're signing Ben Simmons uh, to a new contract soon, and you're going to kind of max out your cap in a way that um, you might want to sign someone to a three or four year deal so that your mm-hmm. the money's locked in. Um, whereas JJ yeah. Redick, you probably want to sign to a one or a two year deal. And next summer when you get there, you're not going to be able to just take that money and uh, give it to someone else. So that's a factor, I guess, too. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the next question there, Max. Sure. Um. Young Santa, uh, aka at Chip Swelly, asked which Sixer currently has the most drip. Oh boy, it's got it's Jimmy Butler. Yeah, I think Jimmy Butler. Um, Embiid, uh, Embiid does too. I think. I'll, I'll go based off this alone. There was a picture from a couple of games ago, like the Sixers like arriving at the facility kind of thing before the game, and Jimmy Butler was wearing like this. It was a Nike off white brand thing, and it was like this hunting coat kind of thing and it had like this pattern it looked like, like a painting of a fucking snow cabin that thing probably cost more than any money i've ever had in my bank account in my entire life combined and it looked so fucking fly dude it was insane i would i would sell my non-existent house to get that coat uh but i'll tell you who's up there too landry shamit man really i've i've not Shamit's got that. some drip yeah. yeah he's got some drip but i think when it comes to the whole package right See, I think Embiid might be too goofy to really be he's the a little, drip king. He's a little like uh, four pins ish, you know. He's like a little. He's like going over the over the top of it. Uh, like he showed up. He showed up to the uh, that Giants Patriots game or Jets Patriots game a couple weeks ago, wearing like a full on red Givenchy sweatsuit. Yeah, and I feel like that's like a little. Yeah. It's a little much. I don't know if I even. Well, like that. Simmons it, is that way too. Simmons is very brand conscious. I feel mm-hmm. like, but I feel like for Butler, like. It's the on-court attitude, the fact that he's, like, really charming and, like, seems, like, funny, but, like, not in, like, a telling jokes funny way, just, like, he's just, like, a funny dude. I think he's, like, got to be the king of it. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know what? You can also make the opposite argument where, like, the true drip king, which I've said now nine times, uh, and have never sounded whiter in my entire life, um... Is the guy who like doesn't care, right? It doesn't affect him. He's just himself at all times. And if you if you like it, whatever. But like this is just who he is. He's not gonna like go out to oppress you. And that man is Brett Brown. Yeah, the true drip king. Remember when Let's Brett Brown? Here. Remember when Brett Brown uh, earlier in the season wore that that uh, ski cap like back on the yeah. on the back of his head? Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's walking lo- around like an elderly some, like, barista. Some like normcore. Uh, oh shit. yeah. Like Yeezy season three, um, oh, yeah. so 
This is kind of the combination of a bunch of questions that we were asked, but would you trade Markel Fultz for Trevor Ariza? So I actually, I anticipated this question. I actually was talking about it with somebody last night. And I think it depends on the outcome. Yeah, I know. Real dead center. It depends on the outcome of these full body scans or whatever the hell he's getting done. Um, Because Ariza's good, correct? Mm -hmm. We know this. Ariza's, I think, 57 years old. Something like that, give or take a couple years. Right. Um, But it comes down to, when it comes to like, would you trade the skill of Markel Fultz for the skill of Trevor Ariza? A hundred times out of a hundred. Absolutely. But if Fultz has something left, something that some team is going to buy into, I don't know if you do because Ariza isn't expiring, right? He's unrestricted next year. He does not have to come back here. So you're trading Markel Fultz and still a little bit of team control over him for the rest of the season of Trevor Ariza. And I'm not saying that I wouldn't do it. I'm just saying that there's probably another deal out there if he's not completely broken that gets you a little bit more um, long-term bang for your buck. Not long-term, maybe like an extra year or a pick in there somewhere too. But just straight up, there. I feel like there's – I know there's not a ton of hype and and desire for, for Fultz on a lot of other teams. But I feel like the rest of this season plus additional seasons, there's probably another deal out there somewhere that gets you a little bit more. Maybe not a ton more. Um, I just, so I would say probably yeah, but I don't know if that's the ideal deal. I feel like I'd rather take someone who is a little bit lower than Ariza's skill level, maybe six to seven to eight years younger, uh, who's got, you know, still maybe on a rookie deal, who's just like not cracking a rotation somewhere. This is just hype. I have no idea who this person would be. Um, and then like a second round pick. I feel like that would get you more in the long run than Trevor Ariza, who could retire, could go somewhere else. He's an unrestricted free agent in the offseason. Um, and I'm still of the mind that, like, yeah, you know, Steph could break his leg and Kevin Durant could go blind and who knows. But I don't think this year's the championship year. So adding Trevor Ariza to the team this year, I don't think really – I think you need to get something a little bit more long-term, even if it's just one more season out of something, whether it being a pick or a, or a player. Yeah, I, I don't know who that guy is who you're talking about. I don't know if the guy you're talking about exists. I made him up. Yeah, I don't know if he exists, though. Like someone who's making $9, $10 million a year who's young and also kind of good, good enough to be in the rotation. Not even kind of like, good. I don't even think kind of good. Just like there's a shot. Maybe he could be something. Maybe he's even like a G League level. Like honestly, like someone who's like two years from now, Shake Milton, right? Well, there's a, there's honestly, a question yeah, of like – well, there's a question of like, would you trade? Would you have rather had like Kyle Korver and a protected pick or something? You know, like a player who's not as good as Trevor Ariza and some other thing of future value, or a young player who's drafted recently. Like that, that would be, I think, more ideal. Would be like you get another castaway young player or pick and a, a player who can at least play like 15 minutes in the playoffs. Yeah, for you. I mean, you're like the ideal. You're looking for someone who's like, yeah, like two years from now, Shake Milton, right? Or honestly, like the, the ideal scenario would be someone like if he was struggling a little bit less and didn't sign a one year contract in the offseason, like a Ryan Archidiacono type, right? Where they're younger, they they have a possibility of being something and maybe get like a extra pick in there. Like now, if you're saying Trevor Ariza and even like a protected second, that's like seems likely to convey in the next couple of years, sure. I just think you need something else. 
just for sheer like ass saving, right? Because mm-hmm. it's it's done. The Fultz thing is likely completely done. But I don't think you can just toss him for even though Trevor Reese is good. I don't think you can toss him away for something that you won't have at all come this offseason. You have to have something yeah. still lingering from that. You I, have to, and I that's that's a failing that that's the failings of the prior administration, um, because you give up so much to get up to him, and you just need so, there has to be something else. And if it's not out there and it's not possible, then fine. But I think you you can, you can be able to milk something else out of there, even if it means you throwing cork like say a cork maz in there because you didn't pick up his option. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like. Ideally, there's got to be something else. It might yeah. not be, but yeah, that's how I feel. All right, one more Markel Fultz question, and then we got to finish up. Okay. Uh, Booby Styles asks, with his current contract factored factored in, is Andrew Wiggins a worse number one overall pick outcome than Markel Fultz? Um, first, I will say after the Booby Styles and Chip scripts, well, you're going full Adobe Squad with these questions. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man, because. Andrew Wiggins is a functional NBA player. Well, I'll ask this. Would you trade right now if you could just swap them, Markel Fultz, for Andrew Wiggins with contracts? No. I I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I mean, he's making – I'm going to read you what what, what Andrew Wiggins is is making this season and the next four seasons after that. That's situational for this team. I know this is like we're getting into, like, imagination land here, but – Oh, it's if, it's kind of. I mean, unless your team's not a, a contender, I think money matters, right? There's yeah, but like if you're no like, team if, that's if, good that can just spend thirty million dollars on a bad player. I mean, a lot of teams do. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I don't I wouldn't, but it's not. It has a lot less to do with Andrew Wiggins as a player than his contract. Even if Andrew Wiggins was like. Like thirty percent better than he is, I still wouldn't do that because for that money, it's the contract more than the player. Yeah. So I guess the answer is yes, but it has less to do with Wiggins as a player than more to do with the situation he is currently in. All right. Well, let me ask you this: Who is a worse draft bust than Wiggins, Fultz, or Bennett? I mean, I think if we're just talking about who's the worst player. Probably Fultz at this point. Um, I mean, maybe Bennett. Bennett. It, it's hard to say. I mean, Fultz is just like it's a different animal. Um, yeah, and because Bennett really wasn't a hyped play, like his, his being number one was a shock. So, so you know, yeah. I, I I guess it's just you're right, and and I think the point you were kind of making was um, any player who's making that amount of money who's not a superstar is going to be a, a more negative impact than. Um, just a player who's not good, who's not making right. that money. Um, yeah. I mean, dude, he's averaging, though, 15, 3.5, and, and 3 on 38% from the floor, 36% from 3 this year. Like, that. that's really bad. And his defense that's is very bad. bad. Correct. Really bad. Um, all right, I think, that's, I think that's all I got. I got to run. Um, yeah. Good pod, though. Max has important things to do. I do. Um, yeah. we'll be back will say, uh, probably tonight when there's a Markel Fultz update after <laughs> right. we post this podcast. I will say really quickly, um, the last pod we had was probably one of our better ones, and Max and I uh, kind of half-jokingly made a promise to be like two beers deep for each one going forward, um, but it is currently 1.30 p.m. on the East Coast, so I'm not two beers deep. Uh, but in and the future, we'll try to here. have... 
yeah, we'll, I think we'll try to be a little bit looser in the future. Um, I think it worked out well for all of us. Um, yeah, it worked out well. So thanks for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. All right, see ya.